how many of you, we have a few kids here today, <coughs> excuse me, how many of you kids are looking forward, I mean, with bated breath, with anticipation, going back to school? <laughs> no, kids, I said, I didn't say parents. Say, we had a couple kids, okay, that's surprising. Now the smaller ones, yeah, back row, got smaller ones, parents probably are ready for them to go as well. I didn't see any junior high, high school kids raise their hands this morning because usually once you get that age, you're not looking forward to it. Now let me rephrase that question. If, uh, if you as adults, so the rest of us here this morning, if you were told that you had to go back to school, would you get excited about that? Now, now there might be a couple of you that, that love learning, that love the, the, uh, the discipline of, uh, of that environment. There, there might be some of you that'll be like, sure, I, I would love to go to school. I love to learn, but, but I imagine that most of us, most of us wouldn't get very excited about that at all. In fact, for most of us, you can probably remember that last test you took. You can probably remember that last paper that you wrote or, or that last day of class or that last report card. And, and I imagine you can remember that and, and the thought that crossed your mind, I don't ever have to do that again. Uh, so I'm not very confident this morning that when I tell you the direction that this sermon is going, I'm not very, very confident that many of you will get excited about what I'm going to suggest to you. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be answering the question, if you saw the, in, in your bulletin, the, the title of the sermon, and we'll be basically looking at that over the next several weeks. What can I be? So as we consider the, the new year and the challenges before us and and the new year and the spiritual challenges uh, before us, the, the, the challenge to grow spiritually, we'll be asking that question, what, what can I be? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll give you a little heads up if you want to kind of put in your Bibles and kind of mark uh, uh, the book of Psalms, uh, particularly chapter 119. We're also going to be in chapter 1 of Psalms. Uh, and then we'll also look at some other verses, uh, another verse here in, in 2 Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the, the pew back in front of you. And, and you're going to understand from today's test, if, if you've never grabbed that Bible in front of you or opened your own or opened up your Bible app on your phone, today's the day to do it. You'll understand here in a second. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 says this. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and cr- correctly handles the word of truth. What can I be? So here's my suggestion this morning. Hope I don't lose you with this pronouncement. Uh, what can I be? I think God wants us to be a student. We need to be a student. Are, are you still with me? Does does that excite you? Uh, are are some of you on the edge of your pew or the edge of your seat if you're in the back? If you're at home, are you on the edge of your couch or the edge of your recliner? And and you're thinking, tell me what I need to know. Where where do I sign up? This sounds too good to be too too good to be true. Please tell me more. Or has the thought of being a student already caused you to uh, tune out, turn off, and and you're trying to look interested. You're trying to look like you're paying attention, but but really you're thinking about other things to do. My guess is that your first reaction to the thought of being a student is not a positive one. But 
but if you will, give me, give me a couple moments to challenge you with this idea of what you can be. We're going to look at some reasons, some reasons why, uh, as we take a serious look about what we can be, uh, as a student. Here's the, the first thing. You're not going to like this one much either, but, but it's there. So let's just start with what the scripture tells us. Let's just start with the, the first and the obvious one. The scripture tells us there that it's commanded. Now, now depending on what Bi- which Bible version you have, the NIV put it this way. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. So do the very best you can. If you, if you have the King James version or maybe you remember uh, memorizing this verse at some point in the King James Version. You remember that. In fact, w- when I think of this verse, I, I go back to that uh, for, for some reason. And the King James says, study to show thyself approved. Uh, the message, some of you might have the, the message version. It says, concentrate on doing your best for God. Now, now what this verse is doing, what the first part of this verse, what this command is, the, it is tying the command to the following action that we see at the end of the verse, which is to handle the word of God. See, this is, this is Paul's instruction. So if we get just very direct about it and, and, and look at the context and, and where this text is, this is the apostle Paul talking to his young protege, uh, protege, a, a, a young man named Timothy who was, was, was training to be a, a, a pastor. He was, he was learning to be a pastor. And so, so the Apostle Paul gives this command to his young, young student, if you will. But, but I don't think the command is, is lost or stops only with Timothy. I think it really does apply to all of us that we need to put in our life. Now, now Paul was a, an apostle of God. He was, he was commanded by God to specifically be a, a, an apostle to the Gentiles. God gave him that special gift. In fact, Paul, wasn't like a regular an apostle. The, the way a man became an apostle, or one of the qualifications to be an apostle, was that you had to be with Jesus. You had to have been with Jesus for the three years and basically sat at his feet, been his student, and learned about Jesus. Well, well, Paul didn't qualify that way. Now, 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 Matthew and James and John and Peter, those guys all had been with Jesus that whole time. Paul was actually on the opposite side. He he was. We really don't see or hear about him until till the book of Acts when he's trying to destroy the church. But probably when Jesus was teaching, Paul was plotting. Paul was a part of that that group of religious leaders, those Pharisees that were trying to figure out how can we get Jesus out of the way? How can we get someone to turn on Jesus? How can we get Jesus to the cross? So he didn't sit at Jesus' feet to learn from him. But but the reality is he learned and was inspired by God. He was inspired by God. So so Paul, who is inspired by God, is commanding us to be a student. The, the, the Greek word there, I don't expect you to write this down or remember it, but the Greek word is spoudeson. And it means simply this. It means to make haste to be diligent, to be zealous, to be eager. That, that's the type of student we're to be. When I was, I was in junior high and I, I think I, I, I may have told this story or at least talked about this event in my life for, for and, and used as another illustration. But when I was in, uh, in 
elementary, uh, late elementary into junior high, one of my Christmas gifts was that my dad would get my brother and I, and, and we had several friends that this happened to them as well, would get us a ticket to a basketball tournament. Uh, Centralia High School in Centralia, Illinois, would have this three-day holiday Christmas basketball tournament. 32 teams from all over the state of Illinois, and, and occasionally even from, from Missouri and sometimes Indiana, uh, these big schools would all come to Centralia and play a 32-team tournament, three three days of solid basketball. Now, now the fact that we got tickets and went and watched basketball f- for three days kind of illustrates this whole idea of of, of Spudals and this idea of making haste and diligence and eager. But but let me tell you another story, something else that happened to us at that tournament. One of my friends, one of the years we were there, one of my friends brought this kid up to us. Now, I don't know how he got to know him. I don't know how he met him, how how they, they got talking. But, but, but one of my friends drug this kid up to the rest of us and said, you guys aren't going to believe this guy. He knows every NBA player. Now, now that's impressive, but, but during that time, back at, that would have been back in the 70s, there wasn't, there wasn't ESPN, there wasn't, uh, uh, there wasn't the NBA network, there was only maybe one or two bas- NBA basketball games on a year, there wasn't the internet where you could go and research this kind of stuff, but, but they drug this kid up and they said he knows every NBA player, what, what his number is, how tall he is, how many points he averaged, what college he went to, what, we couldn't believe it. And so we started to spit out names. And, and I was one of the first ones. And I thought, I'm going to stump him. And I said, Pete Maravich. I was a Pete Maravich fan. I, I, I had watched Pete Maravich play college. Now, not personally, but, but, but a, a kid from the next town over in Mount Vernon had played with LSU and they would occasionally at our local TV station show their games. And so I'd watched Pete Maravich play basketball and I love Pete Maravich. This kid looked at me and he laughed. You gotta be kidding. Pete Maravich. <laughs> Pete, Pete, Pete Maravich. He's number uh, 11, the Utah Jazz. Six, six, five. LSU University, number 23 when he was there. I kind of h- held my head in shame. Someone else who was a Knicks fan said, Willis Reed. <laughs> and, and again, he just kind of smiled like, can you guys give me something tough? Willis Reed, New York Knicks, number 19. 610 went to Grambling State. Most people didn't know that, but his number at Grambling State was number 50. One of our other friends who was a, a fan of the Celtics thought for a second, like, I can't give him, you know, I can't give him Havlicek. I, I can't give him Russell. I got to give him someone just a little bit more obscure, although it really wasn't that. He said, Jojo White. Well, <laughs> again, he smiled number 10, 6'2 guard, went to the University of Kansas. That was before I was a Kansas fan, but uh, University and at the University of Kansas, he is number fifteen. He said an interesting fact about JoJo White: he lost a ball game in the NCAA against Western Texas University, now UTEP, because he stepped out of bounds. He hit the shot, but he had stepped out of bounds. I, I always remembered that kid <laughs> because he was a student. He was a student of the NBA, and he impressed me. Now, I don't know if we have any students of the NBA. I don't know if, uh, with all the access to, to knowledge, I don't know that anyone could, could do what that kid did that day and tell us numbers and, and, and how tall they were and what college they went to. But, but there's some of you that are students of other things. There's some of you that I could ride down the road and, 
And if we met a pickup truck, I could I could say what what model. Now I could figure that out if I got close enough. If it's a Ford or Chevy, but but there's some you could drive down the road and you could say that's a Chevy, and you could tell me what year it was. You could say, well, that's either a 2012 or to 14, because in 2011 they had this grill, and in 2015 they changed their grill. And I'm I'm looking at it like it it's a truck. I'm happy to figure out that it was a Chevy, but. But some of you can know that some of you farmers could could give me facts and details about uh, about tractors and combines that just are amazing. So, some of you ladies can walk through the mall and look at a purse that someone's carrying and tell me what kind it is. Should I admit that I can do that as long as it's a beer of Bradley? Because anytime I see a, a brightly colored purse that's a Vera Bradley because my wife has one two seven twelve something of those <laughs> uh, my grandkids can tell tell me the names of t- all kinds of toys now now do you see where I'm going here we, we may balk at the idea of being a student of God's word but the simple truth is we are students of the things we love. And if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's something that you love, you don't have a hesitation at all to become a student. And we're commanded to be students of God's Word. And, and that should create in us excitement. It, the, the whole meaning of that, that Greek word, that diligence, haste, eagerness, zealousness, should come from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, flip over with me to, to Psalm chapter Chapter one, let's, let's look just at the first couple verses in Psalm, Psalm chapter one. It says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, uh, in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves do does not uh, wither, whatever they do prospers. See, we we need to be students. It's commanded. That's that's what the verse says. Do your best. Study. Commit yourself to to, to knowing what God's word says. See, the, the early believers did that. Those who who listened to Jesus out on a hillside and sat and listened to him talk all day long, even missing meals and not even thinking about it. They were so engrossed in what Jesus had to say. The early church were told that they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. They would they would sit for hours to listen to what the apostles had to say about Jesus. And, and, and some of the early believers, even when persecution started, would would sacrifice everything so they could be they could be in the company of those who talked about Jesus. In Rome they they would actually meet down in the catacombs under the city in the tombs so they could have a place where they could talk about Jesus. We need to be a student if for no other reason than this it was commanded. Now now we need to be a student because it's valuable. There's there's value in being a student of God's Word. I, I remember I was 18 years old the first time I ever drove out of the state of Illinois. Now, now in fact, I, 
I don't even think I'd ever driven out of the counties of Jefferson and Marion County, Illinois, in southern Illinois. I, I grew up in Jefferson County. Marion County was the next county over. My grandparents lived at the edge of Jefferson and Marion. And, and I don't think I'd, I'd even drove, had driven out of those two counties. And I know I had never driven it in another state. And, and right after I graduated from high school, I drove to Joplin, Missouri. I had made plans to drive to Joplin, Missouri to go to a a camp that was hosted by Ozark Christian College. In fact, we found out years later, Rita was at the same camp. We didn't know each other, didn't meet each other there. Uh, that would be a cool story. We need to change our story, don't we? We met at that camp when we were 18. Let's, let's go with that one. But, but, uh, but we, 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 we had made plans or I'd made plans to drive there. And before I left, my mom handed me something valuable. Does, does anyone want to guess what my mom handed me before I got in the car and drove to Illinois or to, to Missouri? Money. She did, but that wasn't the most valuable thing she gave me. What? Credit card. Actually, she handed me a standard oil card. Uh, back then, you used to have cards that were, were good at certain gas. She handed me a standard oil card so I could get gas, but I had to stop at an Amoco or standard gas station. But that wasn't the most valuable thing that she handed me. Anyone else? You would hope that she would hand me the Bible. You're close. You're close. Anyone? A map. Actually, it was an atlas. You kids, probably, I'm surprised you, you thought of that. You're too young to, to, to know that. If you're under 40, you, you probably don't even know what an atlas is. But, but when I was growing up, when up through, 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 through several years of adulthood, if you wanted to go somewhere, you took out the atlas. And, and an atlas is just a book of maps and it would have maps to several different states. Uh, so, so my mom, handed me an atlas, and she showed me how I could get to, to Joplin. So so you'd take an atlas, uh, an atlas, you'd take a state map, and you'd plan out your route. You'd, you'd keep it with you just in case you got lost, in case a, a road was closed or, or you had to divert. You'd take that map with you because if something changed, you would, would refer back to that map. If you got lost... If you got lost, then you would look back at that map. See, we need to be a student of God's Word because it's valuable to us, because it offers direction. Now, if you kept Psalms open, run, run over with me to Psalm chapter uh, chapter 119, look at verse uh, 105. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Spiritually speaking, how can we know where we need to go and how can we know how we're going to get there without the direction of God's word? See, God's word offers direction. Now, now let's bring this up to, uh, I love my phone there. Let, let's bring this up to current day. No one, no one carries maps or atlases. There was a time when all, all of my cars had an atlas uh, in it. Even when the, the kids were, were first starting to drive, I made sure their car had uh, had an atlas in it. Uh, do you guys remember having uh, state maps in your glove box? You'd open up your glove box. I had a Missouri map and an Illinois map and an Indiana map. Uh, no one does that anymore, do they? You know why? Because we take out our phones. 
and we start typing in an address and Google Maps will pop up or maybe you go straight to that map app and hit it and you start typing in an address and it will it will tell you how to get there. And and if you hit start route, it'll even verbally tell you how to get there. And and if you happen to take a wrong turn, it will tell you how to get back on track. You know what that sounds like? Kind of sounds like God's Word. If we're trying to reach our destination, which we've talked about it before, we'll actually talk about it a little bit more next week, is to be like Jesus. If we're trying to reach our destination of maturity in Christ, then God's Word tells us how to get there. And if at any point we get off track, it'll simply tell us how to get back on the road. Being a student of God's Word is valuable because it gives us direction, and it's valuable because it gives us discernment. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. God's Word gives us discernment. When when we have His Word in our heart, it helps us to fight the attacks of Satan. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, 13, that whole section actually talks about this. But verse 13 says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand. Last week I mentioned that, uh, I started talking how the fact that 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 before we send our kids off, whether it's to the first day of school or 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 the first time they they watch themselves at home or the first time they drove the car or or even at college, when we send them off, we would give them last minute instructions. Now, now here's the here's the truth. We know this that that oftentimes we get our kids our we give our kids instructions and they don't always follow it. One. One year, it's probably 98, 99, Brian was a senior in high school, and I, I don't think we always got the best parent award, but we sent our oldest son, Brian, and Joel and Crystal, and three or four of their friends, we put them, or we let them get in our minivan on a snowy Sunday afternoon and drive to Kansas City to go watch a movie. Now, it wasn't the best decision we've ever made. I think we're thinking the house will be quiet. Let's let them go. But before they did, I I did my parent duty. I said, Brian, the, the roads are going to be partially snow-covered. Be careful. Drive slow. Watch the corners. I think we found out about this after they got home later that night, that that somewhere between Rushville and DeKalb, Brian had went around a corner and slid into a field. <laughs> Luckily, Daryl Pierce, Pierce drove by, a guy, a farmer they knew, and he pulled him out, got him back on the highway, and, and they headed on to Kansas City. But, but I can almost guarantee you that the rest of the way, Brian was 10 and 2. And the words that I had told him, be careful, the roads are slick. The corners are especially slick. I bet those words echoed in his mind. See, God's word, if we place it in our heart, will give us discernment. We won't always listen. Sometimes it'll be after the fact. Sometimes someone's going to have to pull us out of the ditch. And then we remember, yeah, God's word said that. Man, if I just listened to what it said, I wouldn't have been in this predicament. It offers us discernment. And it also offers us development. To turn over just one chapter later in the book of, of 2 Timothy to chapter 3, 
Look at verses 15 through the end of the chapter. It says this, And now from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is... Now, now catch this. Catch the developmental ideas here. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's Word offers development. When we become a student of God's Word, it begins to mold us and move us to be like Jesus. I I remember with my three boys teaching them to dribble a basketball. And, and, and they really probably were only about two years old when I started. And I put a basketball in their hand and and, and they'd seen enough of it to know what they were supposed to do, and they would they would throw the ball down, and it would bounce a couple times and roll away, and 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 then they'd throw it down again, and they might slap at it with the whole hand, and they might get one dribble or two, and before it hit their foot and roll away, and 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 it took a it took a while, uh, it literally took years, but eventually, by the time they were in high school, man, they could dribble the basketball without looking at it between the legs, behind the back. That they could cross over dribble. They could dribble with their right hand or their left hand. They can make all kinds of, they became great basketball players because they had developed. Now, now when we become a student of God's word, there's value in it because it helps us develop to be like Jesus. Now, now let's look at one last thing and we'll, we'll finish up. <laughs> When you heard the idea of being a student, most of you probably thought, well, well I, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And, and particularly since we're in church, you, you knew where I was going with this. You knew, well, by student, what you're saying is, I need to be a student of God's word. And, and some of you probably thought immediately, well, that, that <clears throat> excuse me, that's even more daunting. In fact, some of you are thinking, well, that is downright difficult. There's no way I can be a student of God's word. But let me, tell you a little secret that probably some of you didn't know. Being a student of God's Word is easy. Now, now you weren't expecting that, were you? Probably most of you have shied away from being a student of the Bible because it's intimidating. You, you, you might say, well, I don't like to read. I, I'm not a reader. Uh, uh, you, you might say, well, look at the size of that Bible. Man, it is huge. And then you open it up and the, the letters are small and there's no pictures. Well, maybe you've got, got one that's got a couple pictures, but, but there's no, you're like, man, it is so big. And then, and then the, the catch all, well, I can't understand that. How can I understand? We don't oftentimes even try to become a student of God's word because we think it's hard. So let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me change your thinking there. It is easy. And let me tell you three tips as to how you can figure out it's easy. Here's the first one. First of all, start somewhere. If you want to be a student of God's Word, start somewhere. There, there are people here today, uh, you might glance at one another, you might talk about it later after church. There are people here today that a few years ago, maybe, Ten years ago said, I'll never own a cell phone. Some of you said, I'll never own a cell phone. Some of you might have said, well, once you had one, you'll know, I'll never own a, uh, 
I'll never own a smartphone. You're, you're like, I'll never use a phone for more than just making a phone call. But, but, but somewhere along the way, someone told you or showed you how to use it. Maybe they took your phone. They said, this is what you do. You flip it open. And when it rings, you hit the button that says answer. You hit this little green button and you can talk on it. Or, or if you want to make a phone call, just flip it over, hit the numbers and hit that little green button and it'll ring and you can talk to someone. Uh, you never thought you'd have a cell phone. You never thought you'd use it until you started somewhere. The first step to become a student of God's word is into having it offer direction and discernment and development in your life, life is to start somewhere. If you never start, if you never crack open your Bible, if you never make an attempt, you'll never be a student. So start somewhere. And here's the second thing. Start small. I think most people are afraid to be a student of God's Word because they think they have to be a college student right off the bat. You think, I can't, I can't understand God's Word. I can't understand the, the difference in the old and the new. I can't figure out all these different words and I, what it all. See, we, we start off thinking we need to start at a college level instead of kindergarten, but there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with learning the ABCs of God's Word and then having a snack and taking a nap. There's nothing wrong with with being a kindergartner in God's Word. Because you know what happens to a kindergartner? A kindergartner becomes a first grader. And, and, and first graders learn how to read. And first graders become second graders. And second graders, third graders. And then fourth graders and fifth graders. And then when they become fifth graders, they know more than us adults anyway. Certainly math. See, see sometimes we, we think we've got to start... <laughs> And know it all, but, but don't be afraid to start small. Don't, don't be afraid to take your sleep mat and your snack with you and sit down and just learn the ABCs. And one last thing I would suggest, start smart. If, if you're not a student of God's Word, if you really don't know God's Word, if you've never ever read it, can, can I just encourage you, don't start in Genesis. There's some great stuff in Genesis. I, I love the book of Genesis. You go into Exodus, you, you, you really need to read that at some point because that gives us a history uh, of the background of, of who God's people were. But, but as soon as you finish Exodus, you're going to run into Leviticus. And if you've never run into there, you're going to run out of there very quickly. And if you make it through Leviticus, you're going to head straight on into the numbers. And there's some cool stuff there, but you probably won't ever get to it because, man, it is so boring. So, so can I make a suggestion that you start smart? Can you start in the New Testament? Can, can you start in the New Testament? In, in fact, you know what? If, if you started in the book of Matthew today, January 3rd, if you start in the book of Matthew and read just one chapter a day, that by the time the calendar flipped over to February, you would have the whole book of Matthew read. Some of you who've never read God's Word certainly have never read a, a whole book in the Bible, maybe never read a whole gospel. At the end of this month, you could look back and say, man, I read the whole gospel of Matthew by reading just one chapter a day. Now, if you really want to challenge them, make that two chapters. And, and you can read a chapter in Matthew and a chapter in Mark or, 
or, or maybe start after you've done a month of that, then go to, to, to uh, Luke and John, a chapter in both those. Maybe one at night, one in the morning, one at night, two in the morning, two at night, whatever you want to do at lunchtime. You, you, you read two chapters and you can read two gospels a month. In fact, you actually have a couple days left over. You can get a head start or, or read some Psalms or read something else. You read two chapters, you can read two gospels a month. At the end of a year, you would have read all the gospels six times. Or, do you realize how, how easy this is? If, if you want to take a, just a little bit more time, if you read ten chapters a day. Now, in the gospels, those chapters are long and that takes a little while, but you get to, you get to second Timothy chapter two and it's only, it's only a few verses long. It's only, uh, it's only 26 verses and you get to chapter three and it's only 17 verses. It doesn't take very long. If you read ten chapters a day, you can read the whole New Testament in a month. Some of you that maybe consider yourself students of, word, of the Word haven't read the whole New Testament in a long time. In just ten chapters a day, you can read the whole New Testament. Just start smart. Now, now if you need something more challenging, if you want to read the whole Bible, then you can, you can order those. Maybe some of you have them, but if you don't, I'll make sure you get one. You can read... Get one of those Bibles that, that, that's already marked out. You can read the Bible in a year. It doesn't take too long each day, and you can read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of Psalms, a little bit of the New Testament. And at the end of the year, you've got the whole Bible read. But, but start somewhere. Start small and start smart. What can I be? Well, I think the first thing we're told to be is a student. Fall in love with God's Word because we're supposed to. Man is going to give us direction and discernment and development. And we, we don't do it because it's so, so hard. But the reality, it's easy. See, we do the things that we love. Will, will, will you become a lover of God's Word? Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, your Word gives us light. Your word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our way. Father, we thank you for how your word gives us encouragement and strength, shows us what we need to do, corrects us when we're wrong, and points us in the way that we should go. Father, today we pray that we can become students. That's That seems difficult. That seems hard. That's not very exciting. But Father, just help us learn to be simple, simple students of your word. Father, help us go to kindergarten today. Help us learn to, to see your word and let it speak to our lives. Father, I pray today as, as this word has been presented that there's someone that, that will sit down this afternoon or this evening and open up the gospel of Matthew and just read a chapter. We'll open up a psalm and read a chapter. We'll open up First or Second Timothy and read a couple chapters. Father, I just pray that your word will speak to them when they do. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.